welcome to the Being a Whole Person podcast. I'm Rebecca Haas, a pianist, composer, and creative wellness coach, and my job is to help you self-compassionately grow your creative practice from a supportive foundation of wellness. This podcast features honest conversations, resources, inspiration, and tangible tips to help you cultivate more balance and ease in your work and life, follow through on your goals without constant hustle, and also feel like a whole person in the process. I'm so glad you're here. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 41 of Being a Whole Person. Before I tell you about today's guest, I have a quick announcement for you, which is that I'm doing another free co-working session coming up next week on Wednesday, June 30th from 4.30 to 6 p.m. Pacific, trying an evening time this time for all of you with day jobs that maybe need an evening time or perhaps people in other parts of the world than the United States. I've done this twice now and everyone has gotten a lot done and felt really good about it. So first we spend a couple minutes getting in the right mindset, taking a few breaths, setting intentions for the time and making sure that you're in the frame of mind to work in a way that works with your energy on that day. And we cheer each other on in our intentions. We get to work for a while and then at the end we'll have a little mini party to celebrate our accomplishments with a toast of whatever beverage you have with you and big old virtual high fives. It's a really fun thing and I hope you can join me. There's a link to sign up for that in the show notes and let me tell you about today's guest. Karen Cubidez is the passionate and engaging founder and CEO of the Karen Cuyadas Agency based in Nashville, Tennessee. And she coaches musicians, both well-established and young emerging professionals in a really holistic way that lets them look at their entire lives and how things are working and help them with their business. So I'm super excited that I finally got to talk to Karen because I think I've known about her work for several years now at this point, probably through Instagram and also through her podcast, which is called The Musician's Guide to Being Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise. And we have a lot in common in how we see things and being musicians or people with music backgrounds that are focused on wellness. Karen is an incredibly passionate person who is always finding new ways to help people, new things to explore, creating new resources for musicians and creatives, possibly like yourself. And her Emerging Artist program is everything I wish I'd had in my early 20s as a young musician figuring out, like, how do I do this whole career thing? We talked about her experience with burnout, which led her to change almost everything in her life finding pleasure in personal development and learning by going deeper and really appreciating the process of it rather than feeling like it's something to fix about yourself. Trusting your gut in order to figure out your own priorities and your own wellness. And Karen is also getting certified in the Enneagram, which is very fascinating to me and it's something I've wanted to explore more. So it was fun to hear her explain more of what the Enneagram is all about. I love any tool that helps me learn more about myself, and perhaps you do too, since you're here listening to this. 
Like I said, this conversation was a long time in the making and it was so fun. Karen shared so much wisdom that I'm sure you will love. And I'm so glad that we can share this chat with you. Enjoy. Today, I'm super excited to welcome Karen Cubitas to the show. Hey, Karen, welcome. Thanks, Rebecca. I'm so happy to be here. I feel like it's been a long time coming and you did an amazing job with my last name. So I appreciate that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm so excited that we finally get to talk and I know that we have a lot of common commonality in our backgrounds and yeah. a lot of people will learn some interesting things from your experience. So why don't we just start by you telling everyone who you are, what you do, what you're all about. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so pumped. Um, okay. So I, this is such a hard question and I, I have a podcast too, and I always ask people this, but I'm like, Ooh, what do I even do? Um, I do a lot of things. Um, I'm CEO of the Karen Cubitas agency, which is my, one of my companies, um, where I just get to do amazing things with incredible musicians, educators. And I also work with emerging artists. So my company has a couple of different brands. I'm a business coach, life coach, a podcaster, a wife, a crazy dog mom. I have a portrait of my dogs in the background here. Um, and I just get to work with, with creatives and, and help them with their branding and marketing was kind of how things started. I've also, I'm technically a creative director. So I facilitate photo shoots, video shoots, and just strategy to help creatives authentically brand themselves and, and share who they are. Um, and I recently launched a second company called Vampire to Inspire. And it's similar to my music company, but it's targeted more towards um, women and those that identify as women to help support them and just demystify the, the being in business and having a business process. Um, I'm very passionate about the no bullshit on what is actually real and, and what is happening and, um, you know, just empowering and equipping people to really live their best life. So I'm very blessed. I'm a saxophonist by trade. I'm a multi-woodwind person. Um, I went to Boston conservatory. I have a degree in classical saxophone. So LOL. Um, but yeah, I love just musicians and helping people and, and being an entrepreneur. Awesome. Yeah. You do so many cool things <laughs> and the intro is always winding. Like people are like, okay, where do I start? Because yeah, we all do so many things and your list is even longer than a lot of people's, but <laughs> so how, how do you balance all of that stuff? And I know balance is such a loaded word because yeah. everyone's like work-life balance and finding the perfect balance is if you achieve it and you get to check the box and like, I'm finished. I did it. Right. Right. So, um, <laughs> however you want to answer that. Totally. Totally. So I always say I don't balance, I juggle. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of my mentors talked a lot about just like having plates spinning in the air or balls, and there's different degrees of the balls or the plates. So some are glass, some are ceramic, some are plastic paper, all that. And you just kind of decide and I honestly encourage everybody to just reevaluate your calendar every month. Sometimes it's every week for me. Like, is this realistic? What are we doing with our lives? You know, that kind of thing. But it's really just about priorities. And, and for me, wellness, just making sure that I'm taking care of myself first, that I fundamentally understand that I am the product, that if I'm not okay, nothing else really matters, that your health is paramount. And then, you know, just kind of trusting my gut and figuring out, what the priority is, what I want to actually be doing. And yeah, just taking it day by day, uh, the whole planning the next 10 years and, and thinking I'm in control is really not a vibe after you turn 30, <laughs> you're like, yeah, what am I planning? What is life? So very much just day by day and, um, just doing the best I have with the best I can with what I have. Yeah. I love that you said you 
reassess and reflect on like, what is working? What are we doing this week? Because that's real. You know, like, I don't remember the last time that I felt able to plan a year, let alone like a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, because things change so much. And you have to be able to check in with yourself to say like, how is this working? Like my plan might not be working. I might be following the plan to a T and probably have to shift it because such is life, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think having a podcast and, you know, as musicians recording ourselves has really given me that perspective because even when I tried to batch podcast episodes and I was, you know, actively in my personal development journey, you just change so much. The things you think, how you talk, your priorities, like it just shifts so much. And I I just feel like it's so valuable as creatives to just record ourselves and see like, what are you thinking? How how do you sound? What, What is your thought process behind something? And that just really allowed me to see that you know, we're kind of all growing faster than we think and things are moving a lot faster that, you know, just kind of surrendering that outcome and really checking in with yourself and and making sure that you're doing the things you actually want to be doing has been really helpful. Yeah. We can't see our growth until we step back Mm -hmm. and it's happening all the time. You're so right about that. And I'm glad to hear that you have trouble batching podcast episodes because I have have trouble (laughs) doing that too. I feel like sometimes it's like, I have to be kind of passionate in the moment about the thing in order to like present it the right way. And if it's like an idea I was excited about three weeks ago, like maybe it doesn't have the spark that day. So yes, definitely. you (laughs) You have to do what you have to do, I guess. So how did wellness become such an interest of yours? Do you have experience with burnout or like, how did that happen? Oh, Totally. And a lot of us have to go through something difficult before we pay attention. A hundred percent. I really wish that we didn't have to hit rock bottom before we <laughs> reassessed our life. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've always, it's just such a blessing and a curse to be a coach. Cause you like know what to do, you know what to say, you're ready to help and serve, but then to take your own advice, it's like, <laughs> mm, no. Yes. Um, so yeah. Um, I'm aware of the value of boundaries and, you know, taking care of yourself and, you know, a good diet, good sleep, you know, all of those things. But I feel like, so I went to interlock in for high school. I did two years there and then, um, I was very fortunate. And I went to, to Boston conservatory. Like I said, for my undergrad, I did four years there. Boston's an amazing city. And I had a job my freshman year. I was working as a stagehand, climbing my way ups in the nonprofit sector. Um, by age 21, I was running my own orchestra. So I was in charge of a half a million dollar budget, five concerts a year. It was really a high pressure situation and an amazing experience. I had no business doing that. And then, you know, I was graduating, finishing my undergrad, and then I got my dream gig at the Boston symphony. So I was juggling two jobs, recent grad, like the whole, like, what do I do with this career type of situation? You know, the whole nine. And I just spent the last, I would say eight years of my, the, from 20 to 27, let's say just hustling for worthiness. Um, the message I got in music school was that you got to do more. You're not good enough. Um, just really not toxic because interlocking is amazing. And my education has been like, I'm so privileged, but just the, the system itself and, and the messaging that I, the narrative that I had in my mind, you know, Brene Brown talks about in the absence of data, your mind makes up stories. So the way that our brain processes information is through storytelling. So the story that I was telling myself based on the environment that I was in is that I had to work harder that, you know, sleep was for lazy people and that, you know, I had to wear the hustle badge of honor or I wasn't doing it enough or whatever. So that was really the messaging of my career so far. Um, 
And then launching my own business was another can of worms. And then the rise of social media in 2012 with Instagram. And, you know, there's just like, you're always behind. And, and you, I had that message that so many emerging artists have of you're running out of time. You're not doing enough. You're going to hit 30 and the world's going to explode. And if you haven't done this, and of course, like, for me, I have amazing parents and I was always comparing my dad's chapter 20 because he's a successful business owner to my chapter one. So I was always like, oh, I'm behind. I'm like, my parents are so amazing. By this age, they had a house and two kids. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, so there was just like a lot of hot mess, basically, mentally speaking in that capacity. And to answer your question, um, with all of that set up, honestly, it's been this last year uh, in February of 2020. I don't know that I've talked about this on my podcast yet, but in February of 2020, um, I was having dinner with one of my designers because I was going to launch in July of 2020, um, the rebrand of my agency. And we were having dinner and it was this like really fancy experience. I spent a bajillion dollars on my rebrand. It was like the first big thing that I was doing for my business. And, or that was like, like a Hawaii vacation equivalent kind of vibe. And I was so excited to go to this long story short, I'm in this restaurant with this person that I love. And I think I'm having a heart attack and I'm like, what is happening? Like I, everything's fine. I had like really bad anxiety and really bad stomach issues. I had been struggling with digestive issues for about three years. And I was just like, oh, it's fine. I just probably have a gluten thing or I probably like lactose or, you know, insert whatever. And, um, I found myself like on the, like having to leave the restaurant and go outside to get some fresh air. I was sitting in the, like in the sidewalk. I was like, I'm going to pass out. I have to call. I called my husband. I was like, you have to come get me. My, my friend and you know, person I had hired came out. I was like, are you okay? I was like, I don't know the manager of the, I mean, I was so embarrassed. And then I got home. My husband picked me up. I had to leave everything. I came home and I broke out into hives, had a full on panic attack. And then I went to my, to my therapist the next day. And I was like, am I having a mental breakdown? Is this like a psychiatric thing? Do I need to be committed? Like what's the vibe? And I love therapy. I feel like the Oprah therapy. So everybody needs therapy. Therapy is amazing. Um, so I was like, do I need medication? Like, do I need extra support? Like what is happening? And she was like, no, I think it's physiological. Um, so I went and the medical system has failed me many, many times. So I went the, the holistic route and got some muscle testing done. I was diagnosed with severe adrenal fatigue. I had a thyroid condition, which explained why I had gained 60 pounds, but never really thought about it. I was like, oh, maybe I'm just eating poorly. LOL. And it's been about a year and a half of like, if you do not get it together, you're not going to be here. So I changed my diet. I changed the way that I structure my life. I changed my relationship with food, my relationship with time, with my business. Like it's so ironic that I'm my own boss, but I was a terrible boss to myself and my schedule was so stupid and just the things that I was doing. And people ask me, like, if you could tell your younger self something, like, what would it be? Or what would you change? And I'm like, everything. I would give it all up to have my health back and to be a healthy, well-rounded individual that would have actually enjoyed my twenties instead of like hustling for worthiness. So that was basically my rock bottom. And it's been an amazing year. I'm so grateful. Um, your body does heal itself. If you just remove the interference, which duh, but also like, wow. <laughs> and <laughs> easier um, said than done. <laughs> totally, totally. And yeah, so that was really it. And at that point, I mean, I knew all the things to do, but I really started to just do more digging. And as a result, I created my green room community with an amazing um, friend and former client, Kate, Dr. Kate Umblesmucker. And yeah, we're just facilitating an inclusive environment where people can have the conversation. Cause I, I, it's not even about health or wellness or eating the right thing or size or anything. It's just literally having the conversation and questioning the source and being okay with being like, I hate yoga because it 
makes me think of like rich middle-aged women wearing Lululemon that is not even size inclusive. So like, ew, but then that's not really what it actually is. So just being able to have that conversation, what is meditation? What is breath work? Like, you know, all of those things. So yeah, long story short, that that's what happened. Wow. There's so much there and <laughs> and you don't know what you don't know, right? Like when yeah. you're steeped in the culture of everyone's bragging about how little sleep they got and how many classes they're taking. Like mm-hmm. I talk about this all the time, I feel like, but that whole music school culture that makes you think that you are not worthy unless you are doing every single thing you can every single moment. Yeah. Why would you ask the question? Like, what could I be doing for my health? You wouldn't because you think that the most important thing is to keep going and that anything else is a waste of time. I totally understand why we get to these rock bottom moments before Mm -hmm. we change things. And it's so human, right? Like you can tell everyone the advice and you can know it, but being able to do it is going to be imperfect, right? (laughs) Absolutely. I feel like I am leading imperfectly. And that's really the only way to do anything by example. And it's been incredible and also really difficult, but very healing. And yeah, I I don't know. It's just, I really wish that we had a a culture or just more conversations around, you know, you're not alone in feeling this way and no, you're not running out of time. And yes, you do matter and you are enough. Like if we could just approach our careers from a place of enoughness and not lack, I can't even imagine how much happier we would be. Yeah, absolutely. And also just the conversation about mental health. When Mm -hmm. I started talking about anxiety, like I've known I had anxiety for about 10 years at this point or a little bit more, but it got really bad about four years ago for a second time. And the first time I was just kind of like, Whoa, what is even going on? Oh, I have anxiety. Like what even is this? And then the second time it was like, no, I'm going to talk about this. Like, I'm just going to mention it to everyone I know. And I don't want there to be a stigma around it. And we chip away at that bit by bit by talking about it. So like this conversation right now, we're, we're helping do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I have also found that the more you take care of yourself, the more money you make, the better you are at your craft. And I would have never in a million years believed that. And yeah, I find that prioritizing my self-care, prioritizing my therapy uh, and, you know, for anybody listening, that's in school, take advantage of the wellness center at school because therapy outside of school is so expensive. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So prioritizing, you know, the financials there and just everything to make sure that you're working well. And, and, you know, like you're treating the whole person, which I know is, is a big value of yours. Yeah, of course. The name of the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny too, like we can learn these lessons, but they might twist around. Like we're like traveling in a spiral and we're like one more layer outward, but we come up against the same lessons again in a new way. And Mm -hmm. that's just how it goes. Yeah. I feel like I just keep learning these lessons over and over. (laughs) And I just, I love that they're working though. Like for anybody out there, that's, you know, struggling with just any kind of mental health issue or anything physical, like your body's incredible. If, if you just remove the interference and ask questions and get help, like there's so many resources out there. Like we're in the era of Google, like Google it, ask around, ask to see what people are doing. And I'm just excited for more conversations like this, where we can demystify the process. Because if you look at my Instagram, everything looks amazing. And I'm you know, very transparent, of course, everywhere. And especially on the, on my podcast, but 
like you, you might just get the impression that everything's always been amazing or been handed or that you're so behind or insert whatever. And you just never know. Everybody's truly doing the best they can with what they have. I, I believe. Yeah. And people aren't usually posting the messy room and the unstyled hair and the whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'm seeing more and more people as sort of a backlash to the perfect Instagram be more real and be like, yeah, I'm posting the imperfect thing because this is real and I need to show you that. And I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So did you learn about any of this stuff in your schooling, like wellness or even business and how to take care of your entire career as a musician? Nope, not at all. Um, Common story, I think is so unfortunate. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for my education again, like musically it was amazing and I, I had excellent teachers, but yeah, I don't think that music curriculum prepares musicians for the real world. I graduated and I was like, what are taxes? Uh, yes. what, what is a bio technology? And unfortunately some of the professors teaching career preparedness don't know how to actually get a gig in 2021. Don't know social media, don't know marketing, don't know compelling copy. And also that there aren't just three or four jobs. Like you're not just playing an orchestra in a military band, you know, being a teacher, like there's so many other things to do. Um, so yeah, I just, I don't feel like that was fair, but that's, one of the reasons why I built my emerging artist program to make sure that that information is getting out there. And it's not so much about, you know, my company and what we're doing, but it's more about the ripple effect. I feel like if we have access to this, to this content and to this information, we could just share it and disrupt the industry. Cause that's what I'm after. Yeah. What does that look like when someone's in your emerging artist program? Like what's a typical experience if a typical experience is a thing? Yeah. So this has been like literally my most favorite thing ever. And it's such a passion project, but basically five years ago, I I started really dabbling into the, into the coaching part and and recognizing that there's a lot of value in talking about these things. Cause I think there was so much stigma around like, well, I can't have an opinion until I win a job or I can't charge for anything. I have to work for free until X, Y, or Z. And it's like, no, it's very similar to corporate America where they, it's an entry-level position, but they want you to have 20 years of experience. And it's like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So or the internship that's unpaid and you're just expected to do that because you don't have bills. Exactly. Rent is free. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I, I decided to create something with the help of, of the amazing emerging artists that I was working with to just kind of figure out what was missing in the curriculum and just beta test. So I have like a hundred case studies around like how and what was missing and also how there really isn't a one size fits all. So essentially it's like private lessons for your life. Clients work with me twice a month or four times a month, depending on, you know, budget. And of course what they're wanting to do, their personality styles. I'm really big into the Enneagram. So certain Mm -hmm. people need more time to process other people, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then they're a part of a, of a community. Um, I really like to have monthly masterclasses and just opportunities for, for us to do all the things we don't get to do in school, like learn how to literally network, how to actually build a brand. Like, what does that even mean? marketing, social media, and also how to start pursuing endorsements or gigs or or just laying the groundwork for if they're passionate about academia. I spicy, but don't believe that you need a bajillion degrees to make a difference. So I try and, and help navigate and figure out if we're going to get a specialization, is there a strong why behind it? Like, what are we doing with this? So it's just kind of like 
private lessons for your life, but the program's about a year long because I have to kick people off the nest, which has been a recent realization. <laughs> Fly, <laughs> but, spread your wings. <laughs> I know. And I don't want to, because my average retention is like three years and I just, I wow. love my people. And I was like, I don't want to leave you, but like, yeah. we, we have to move. So yeah, but that's basically the program and it'll be our, our sixth year um, in September for the program. Wow. That's really incredible that you have retention for three years. Like that really speaks so highly of what you do. Wow. Thanks. Yeah. I, I love my people. I wish I had had that when I graduated from college. Me too. So I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I took the career orientation class that was just like a talk in a one page paper every week. And I was like, I don't want to do any of these things. And, yeah. you know, I guess I'll just try to find private piano students. And how do you even do that? And it was such a, like, not knowing what I'm doing and sort of being too shy to ask for help. And mm-hmm. if I could have, I mean, I guess I could have Googled things, but like things were so different. I graduated yeah. in 2005. So like the social media piece wasn't really there, but I totally mm-hmm. agree. Like my professors didn't know how to guide us on this stuff. Like getting a gig. Yeah. There's so much shame around like asking questions and it's like, none of this is intuitive. Like you're not born knowing how to do an Instagram live. Like this is a learned skill. And most of these things are learned skills. So yeah, I also would like for that to not be a thing where we can just admit like, Hey, I don't know this. Can you help me? And just recognizing that there are people out there that have an expertise and will in the end save you time. I wish I would have had training in college too on public speaking, which I would have hated at the time. (laughs) It would have been torture, but now that I've become comfortable with it, I'm like, this is so much easier to do so many different things in terms of meeting people or just getting your message out there or promoting yourself. So many different things Mm -hmm, for sure. And like, if I had to talk at a recital at that time, just say one sentence. Like that was the thing I was really scared about. Not memorizing, not any of the playing, like it was the like six words I had to say beforehand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, but I also think too, cause I I definitely don't want to blame the teachers or just the institution, but we're also not equipping our professors to handle the mental health, to handle what is actually how to make a career in the real, in the real world in quotations post-school, like they they don't have those tools and they're definitely not getting paid enough to figure that out either. So it's, it's a lot of disrupting that needs to happen. Yeah, exactly. It's a whole culture that needs changing and it's only natural that we teach what we know and Mm -hmm. the way that we were taught And, you know, I, of course, like if you're a teacher, you're learning different learning styles and how to get to different people. But like, if something's not in your field of knowledge, how would you possibly be teaching that? So yeah, you're totally right. It it is cultural and and we're doing it. (laughs) We're doing it right now. (laughs) Yes. So what is your creativity look like in terms of your daily life, either in your work or your personal life? Yeah. So I am so grateful that my job is, is really artsy fartsy and it like keeps me on, on my toes a lot. Like I have to stay on top of, of course, just marketing and branding in general and accessibility and just education and, um, you know, quote unquote, what the market is doing. And, um, I'm currently almost in the final stages of, of having my Enneagram certification. I'll be a 
certified teacher. It's been about a two year process. So really intense. Cool. Um, so just learning more about humans and, and how we function and what we need. And honestly, it's been like getting to know myself. I'm really passionate about morning and nighttime routines. So I have a really solid way of unwinding and preparing myself for intentional deep sleep. I love mornings. I'm an early morning person trained definitely wasn't like a choice. And I I just love the quiet. I love having time to read and reflect. I'm an avid podcast listener. So just learning, but trying to find pleasure in that personal development. Cause I think we can really get sucked into like, Oh, buy all the books you never read. And like, Oh, you're behind. Or like, especially cause you know, social media is making everything really accessible. Like you can almost cliff note a lot of things and feel like, you know, what you're talking mm-hmm. about. So just really deeply appreciating and understanding the process, which is the basis of everything that I do. So that's really how I activate my creativity. I also do it through the work that I get to do with my clients, like with photo shoots, storyboarding a photo shoot, a video shoot, learning the person and and helping them see themselves the way that the rest of us see them. And, And just finding that authentic voice requires a lot of flexibility and a lot of just emotion. So I cry a lot and (laughs) have lots of feelings and it's, it's really, I I just feel really lucky that I get to do what I do. I'm so glad. And yeah, it really shows that you feel lucky and that you are completely passionate and in it. I think it's so cool that you get to use creativity in so many different ways. I know that comes up for most people who own a business. And Mm -hmm. I've talked to people on the show, even who Daisy Gillespie was my last interview guest and she was a orchestral bass player and, you know, went through the whole degrees and very much the classical music culture. And she said she never thought of herself as creative, which is super interesting because she wasn't, you know, writing music or whatever. And I think it's so hard to define what creativity is, but I think it can take on so many different formats and roles in our lives. And everyone is creative, even if we don't think we are. So absolutely. Yeah. I have a book recommendation. If you haven't read big magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Yes. Oh my gosh. Obsessed that just found a copy in a little free library. Perfect. And I had gotten it from the library a long time ago. And I was like, how do I not own a copy of this book? Because I reference (laughs) it all the time. So it's like the universe gave me a copy last week. (laughs) That is amazing. Yeah. It literally, I mean, I love reading and there's so many amazing books out there, but this one like really kicked my butt. Um, especially when, when she talks about the muse, and how we put so much pressure on the human being, um, and doing, unfortunately, sometimes to create high art and just even how disruptive and, and hurtful and, and just not good. The whole genius savant vibe is where maybe if we thought of our creativity as something that was given to us, some kind of divine intervention, something bigger than ourselves, we wouldn't have that pressure to create at such a high level consistently, um, by just fear, but it could be more through love. And I really liked her example of, um, the author Harper Lee, um, who wrote to kill a mockingbird and how she reached the pinnacle of success and then never again did anything because she was afraid of failing. And it's like, she deprived the world of magic because, of her ego. And that was just such a great, like, get over yourself, Karen moment. Um, when I read that, so yeah, being brave and just embracing that creativity and allowing it and inviting it versus Mm -hmm. squeezing it and forcing it. And all those words that we probably wouldn't 
use, but that's what we're doing. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that kind of goes back to, to the idea of talent mm-hmm. and we prize talent so much in, I guess, Western society, probably a lot of different places, but like everyone says, oh, you're so talented when you do an art well. And it's like, okay, talent is cool. Like talent is great. But if you never use it, if you never practice it, you won't be able to do anything with it. So Mm -hmm. I think it's important to highlight how we show up and how, I don't want to say discipline in a, you know, harsh way, but, but like a loving, nurturing discipline and practice is what lets all this stuff happen. Yeah, for sure. I really wish that, you know, as a society or industry, we, we would share a little bit more about the behind the scenes and the messy middle. Um, I feel like our audience would appreciate it more because it wouldn't just be this like random thing we could do. Um, but then also I think we would get closer as a community and recognize that, you know, the success or, or the platform isn't just for the chosen few, but it's for the people that want that and are actively pursuing that. And it's not, you know, mutually exclusive to talent, like you're alluding to, or, or anything other than what do you want to do? And and let's wholeheartedly pursue that and not worry so much about the outcome. I think surrendering that outcome makes us actually enjoy the process. Cause it's really is as cheesy as it is about the journey. Like even when you reach certain goals or when you have, you hit certain milestones, it's about the person you become in that process. Not so much having the thing. Yes. Beautifully said. And I feel like the more reminders of that, that we all get the better. Cause we keep needing the reminders. We keep yeah. going around that spiral <laughs> side yes. note. Have you listened to magic lessons, her podcast to Elizabeth Gilbert? No, I have not. Oh, Ooh, it's I'll so great. Yeah. It's not going on anymore, but there there's a good crop of episodes that I okay. I'm sure are still up, but basically what she does is she invites people to write in with some kind of creative block And then she talks to them a little bit and then she invites an expert in that field to come and talk to them and help them too. There's so many gems. It's so, so good. I listened to it over a period of, I don't even know how long, because I didn't want it to end. Like I spread it out so long (laughs) and I I didn't want to binge it because it's just like little bits of gold. You can't. You can't binge it. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you for this. Yes. It's my new favorite thing because Brene's podcast is that for me. Yeah, that's good too. But I, I could use a little more Elizabeth Gilbert. (laughs) Yeah. The resource list for this episode is going to be awesome. (laughs) Yes. This isn't related to what we were just saying, but about the Enneagram that you're going through this training and I like that's been on my list for a long time is to figure out what Enneagram type I really am. Cause I've taken yeah. the free tests. I've taken different ones and it's been inconclusive, like what number I am. And yeah, I want to understand it better. Absolutely. So basically the, the Enneagram is an ancient typing system that gauges your motivations. So it's a bunch of triads. There's nine different numbers. And one of the most common things is people think that you're typing all of humanity with nine numbers. And it's way more intricate than that. There's wings, there's places you go in growth and stress. And then there's also subtypes that subtypes that are based on your instincts. And when determining your number, it is a self-discovery journey. So only you really know. And that's actually the, the tradition I'm being trained in, which is the narrative where even as a Enneagram coach, 
I'm not supposed to tell you like, oh, you're this number because, you know, deep down, you're the only person that knows your intrinsic motivations. So if you just go down and strip yourself of your career, of all the other things, and just like, what are you actually motivated by? And then also considering there's three centers of intelligence, body, mind, spirit. So you have body types in the Enneagram numbers, you have heart types and you have cerebral types. And these are the people that instinctually process their information either through their body, through their feelings or through their intellect. So from there, just kind of seeing, and usually if you're struggling between two numbers, it's because you really don't want to be the number that you are. And that's totally (laughs) okay because it's a beautiful and horrible thing to just really (laughs) see yourself in that way. It's really Pandora's box, but what I love about it is that there's a healthy version of yourself, an average version of yourself and an unhealthy version of yourself. And it's our jobs, our whole life to remove those masks that we're wearing that we were conditioned to in our childhood with, it could be good or bad. Doesn't matter. Like it could be trauma or it could just be the environment you were in that gave you a certain message. And back to, you know, we, storytell is the way we process information and kids are fantastic storytellers, but they're not always accurate. So it's figuring out like, what was the story you told yourself? So if we look at, for example, Enneagram ones that are called perfectionist, also the reformer, these are people that can't help, but improve things, but their core motivation or their core messaging as kids is if you don't do a good job, or if this isn't perfect, then you are not worthy. You are not good. And every number has something like that. So it's more of just gauging what are your motivations as a person and what are you striving for? What do you need above all else and kind of working backwards? That helps a lot to view it through the lens of motivation. Mm -hmm. Cause you read the descriptions and I was like, well, I see myself here. And like, I think I might be a one or at least part one, but Uh yeah. Okay. You're inspiring me to go take a test again (laughs) because I want to really get into it. I could go down all the rabbit holes and I look forward to that. Oh my gosh. The Enneagram is so addicting in the best way possible. I would suggest starting off with a book called The Road Back to You by Ian Cron and Susan Stabile. That to me is the Enneagram Bible. Um, It is written from the perspective of two priests because they are two priests, but it's Hmm. not quote unquote religious. Um, You can replace the word God with anything that Uh, aligns with your values. But I really like how they talk about just the different types and how they function in the wild. And then there's a second book called the path between us by Susan Stabile. And then you could see the numbers work. So you'll have a basic idea with the first one. And then the second one, you can see like, Oh, here's how this number and this number might miss each other. And then that will help also just kind of clarify certain things. The tests are not really accurate. There's one, but it costs like $120 and doesn't necessarily make sense, but I would recommend just reading about it and figuring out for yourself, like what your type is. Cool. That's all really good information, both for me and for everyone who's looking to find more self-knowledge tools. I'm all about having all the tools. Yeah. And, you know, I would encourage people to, to figure out like what these tools are for. So I'm certified also in emotional intelligence and just a bunch of other things. And I'm familiar with disc and Myers-Briggs and blah, 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 but not all of them are scientifically proven and they're not all created equally. So mm-hmm. for me, the Enneagram is for personal development. To me, I think it's really going to rock our industry in that you have language for things. I'm particularly very passionate about suicide prevention and awareness and if I just had the language for how I'm feeling and what I need, it would be a different outcome. And I think we're so focused on achievement and so focused on like, oh, these are my strengths. And if I'm a business owner, I should have these things. But 
the Enneagram focuses on you as a human and you in your totality. It's not about your job. It doesn't even matter like what number you are with the job that you have, like at all. It's more about like, how can we work from a place of enoughness? And then all the other things are more supportive for your business. And of course, emotional intelligence is important, but if you don't know thyself, that's the first thing in EQ (laughs) self-awareness. So if you don't know thyself, it just makes it difficult to progress and move in different directions. Yeah. And anytime that you're kind of reading a description, taking, you know, whatever test and kind of seeing if you really feel like you match up with it, there's a lot of learning there in how you react to the the different parts that you're reading. Mm -hmm. Like I know people criticize astrology sometimes, and I'm like, I don't really care if it's true, you know, provable true or not, because it allows me to learn about myself. So you know, we can use any of these to just get a deeper understanding of our feelings and what's going on. Totally. And I'm a huge fan of just also like question the source. If does if something doesn't sit right, like research more question yeah. it. You don't have to believe it as truth, um, but just consider it and have the conversation. Yeah, exactly. So sh- shifting gears a little bit, we kind of talked about this. You're talking a little bit about your morning routine, but can you share your favorite self-care practices right now? Yeah. As I alluded to earlier, I've been very resistant to like guided meditations and movement and things like that. Um, Me too. <laughs> relatively recently. And I think it was because it just f- feel, felt really fake and, you know, just personal things that I was, I'm working through, but I find that movement meditation is really helpful for me. So I, I've recently gotten into long distance walking. Um, and I very much enjoy it. Um, I'm a person that really likes silence. Um, so I walk in silence. I, I work out in silence. I do tours in silence or with a podcast, but it's been really awesome to just move my body and, and push myself, not like in a cardio way, but just in a, in a mindset distance way. So I'll very routinely do half marathons or 18 milers. And it's not like achievement driven. It's more of like, I get really good ideas, really good thoughts. It doesn't obviously not every day, but a couple of times a week. So that's been really helpful for self-care. I used to think that self-care was, you know, massages and facials and all that stuff is fine. But as I've learned to, you know, know thyself, like I keep saying, um, I really need time to reflect. So self-care for me looks like journaling sometimes looks like really addressing my feelings. And in that discovery, I learned that I need to have what I call a problem solving hour in my day or a power hour where it's just focused time. Cause I found myself being easily derailed and that adding to my stress and anxiety and just slowing my healing process. Um, so I've added an hour in my day where if, you know, if shit hits the fan or if something's off or if something irked me or someone pissed me off or insert whatever, I can deal with it at that time. So I'm able to compartmentalize my feelings and actually be more present in my day. So having reflection time has been huge. Sleep is my superpower. So making sure I get good sleep, power naps. I love power naps. 20 minute power naps are my go-to instead of over-caffeinating and just really being aware of like what I think is pleasurable and fun and, and joyous. I think we don't activate the play part of our lives at all. Being kids, that childlike wonder, that curiosity, like the best way I can describe it is like that, that feeling when you're, you were playing hide and seek as a kid and you didn't want to get caught or you did, and you screamed or whatever, <laughs> like that joy, um, as an adult just kind of gets washed away by whatever. Um, so just kind of pursuing some of that I've been 
playing Uno a lot <laughs> and just Scrabble and board games and hanging out with a dog. So that's been really self-care for me, just figuring out what I need on any given day, any given month and, and how I can go do that and, and really take care of, of my inner child. Yeah. We're totally like-minded on the description of, okay, what do you need in this moment? And, you know, I say this all the time and you just said it too, that yeah, baths and spa days and whatever, like that stuff is great. But if it feels like an obligation that you like need to perform self-care correctly in order, you know, like that, that doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm with you on team walk. If I don't have a daily walk, I'm not myself. How long are your long distance walks? I'm curious. So at at first we do, my husband and I do these. So I don't even know, like four or five, six hours. Um, So we wake up early and do that. But now since we're, you know, slightly more in shape and we've been doing it for almost a year now, we're trying to beat our time. Um, So hopefully cutting that back by a little bit, because it is a big commitment, but it's also been really good to just be outside and and breathe and be disconnected. Oh my gosh. From my phone and email and everything. Yeah. I used to do like a quick half hour walk. Cause I felt like, okay, I need to get back and do all the things. And now it's like much more exploratory. Like, do I want to mm-hmm. go this way or do I want to go that way? And just seeing where I'm intuitively pulled to go. And I also love using the seek app, which is like a plant identifying app. So I just like stop whenever I see something cool and I'm like, Ooh, what is this? You know, trying to like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm gesturing wildly with my imaginary phone in my hands for people who can't see me, but that's like the childlike wonder part of it. Like, which way do I want to go? I'm exploring, you know, I've never gone this way before. Here's a park. And I just moved to a new neighborhood. So like, it's very exciting. I'm like, pick a direction. What is here? Yeah. That's amazing. And I think we need that so much. Yeah. I love that. That's so, so awesome. Yeah. For anybody listening, that's like, yeah, I don't want to walk that much. I started off with like destination walks. So Mm -hmm. similar to you, like exploring, but it was more of like, there's a cool coffee shop here or a really cool mural or whatever. Like let's walk to that. And then Mm -hmm. it didn't feel like I was counting steps or calories or whatever. It was just like moving my body. Cause that's another thing. Like your body has brain cells in your gut. So when you walk into a room and you feel something, nothing's there, nothing's wrong, but you feel something. And we call it now a vibe colloquially. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, it's your body reading the room and telling you information. And I find that as we get busy and bogged down and burnt out and overworked and overwhelmed, we don't listen (laughs) to our body, to our gut, to our stomach, to, to our emotions and, and to our brain. So I find that moving my body and moving that energy throughout my body, it just allows me to be more alert and aware. And I can actually listen. Um, I like to say, like, I notice a feeling that I'm having, I pause like, so I can see it and then I allow it to happen. And I feel like we think that if you cry or if there's an emotion that it's going to last forever and you're just going to be crying for like, like Alice in Wonderland and you can't stop. And it's like, no, like really 90 seconds. If you just let your feeling happen, if you notice it, you pause and you allow it to go, it'll flow through you like energy. And then be on its way instead of staying and lingering and, um, you know, just feeling not great about insert X, Y, or Z. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. That's something I've been practicing, not really super intentionally, but just over time been allowing to happen more. I think there were years where I did not cry at all because I was so like, 
stoic Midwestern stuff, those feelings down, <laughs> you know, and then it, it, it started happening and now I cry all the time and it's great. And awesome. Like, it's yes. funny. Cause like my partner and I talk a lot about how he and I process emotions. So, so differently. And I'm like, I just need to like, let this through. And he's like, well, I don't want to like go to that place because I don't want to get too negative. I'm like, well, I'm already here. Let's just let it pass. And then I can start over again. Yeah. The Enneagram will help so much with that. Just have language for how different uh people process differently. Right. My husband is similar. He's a perfectionist and he represses his anger. And for me, it manifests like I'm angry all the time, but it's not anger as in upset. It's passion. It's intensity. Um, And, you know, so many emotions, which is so strange and dumb in my opinion, have all these negative or positive connotations. Feelings are neutral. They're neither good nor bad. So just feel them, be a person and and move on. Yeah. It's like you were saying earlier, the stories that we attach to them. Mm -hmm. So many stories. Yeah, truly. And anger and passion. You're totally right. They're just like a little tiny bit removed from each other. They're so related. Yeah. And it's the same as like anxiety and excitement. It manifests physiologically the same way, sweaty palms, shortness of breath, but it's, what is the story you're telling yourself? And of course there are of course, medical things. And, um, it is, it it is a real thing, but on, you know, the generic spectrum, um, you can process it and feel it very similarly. So it's just also making sure that that narrative, like we've been saying, is accurate for what you're doing. And for me, it was really helpful with performance anxiety and when giving lectures and speaking, and, you know, we talked about public speaking, like as I practiced and learned through that in my career, just recognizing that I don't have to feel anxious. I could just feel excited about it. And also having language to center and ground myself. Like this isn't about me. Like I find that performance anxiety for me seeps in when I'm making it about me, when my ego gets in the way. But when I recognize that it's an opportunity, I get to be a vessel. I get to be a part of this. It's not about me anymore. So that also really helps with the feelings, the emotions, the anxiety, all that. Do you also get the anxiety about the anxiety? (laughs) That's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's so funny, like being a coach and, and being aware and like, okay, we're getting crazy right now. Why is this happening? And it's like, you're talking to yourself and you're watching yourself and it's like, okay, let's rein it in. It's like, but I don't want to. So yeah, it's yeah. absolutely amazing. And also insane. <laughs> or like in the panic attack situation, you're like, am I dying? Like what consequences will result from this? And then yeah. it's like, okay, if you're able to just like detach a little bit from the sensations that are happening in your body, maybe it can pass a little more quickly. Cause you're not like, Oh, I have to control this situation. Yeah, absolutely. And not to continue plugging the Enneagram, but I really think that knowing your type would help tremendously. Like for me, um, I lead with an eight and I, the message for me is you can't be vulnerable. Vulnerability is weakness, which is of course not accurate. And I almost feel like if I'm too vulnerable or if I'm too real, people can't handle it. So that's the narrative. So even in moments of stress or anxiety, like, no, we're going to keep it together. And just as soon as I started disrupting and, and pushing against that, which isn't true, just the richness of emotions. And you just feel more alive when you're truly and authentically yourself, instead of like pretending to be something you're not to fit into God knows what. That is the goal of everything I do and what I hope I can help other people do. Like how, how can we show up better than when we're showing up 
as our authentic selves. Yeah. Yeah. It's so beautiful. So that's a perfect segue for me to ask, what does being a whole person mean to you? Yeah, that's a great question. For me, it's someone who's authentically living their truth and constantly evolving and evolving into better versions of themselves. For me, it's someone who has solid priorities that are ever-changing, but primarily someone whose identity is not wrapped in what they do, um, but they're more focused on who they are as a person and not as like a human being, not a human doing. And the question of legacy is so important to me. Like for me, as I pursue being a whole person, it's, it's, what do I want to leave? Like, I don't want, I can't take anything with me, no matter how hard I work, like we're all going to die and not like in a morbid Debbie Downer way, but more of like, what impact do I want to have? And, and what can I create that can supersede me? And that also doesn't always hundred percent require me. And that to me manifests as the ripple effect with my clients and the people I come into contact with. And just all these ideas of by the time I'm 65, which I don't ever plan on retiring, but let's just say I was like, what would I have accomplished and what would have changed and how would I have felt and who would I have become in that process? And I find that zooming out in that way just allows me to figure out my North star, but also not put so much pressure on the delivery, but more the living. Cause you really never know life is so short. So just pursuing lasting impact and making sure that my worth is not tied to my work, but more who I am. Thank you. That's a beautiful answer. I love hearing everyone's unique twist on it. And I don't think it's a Debbie Downer thing to mention death and use that as, you know, a way to live your life more fully. I often think about that as a litmus test. Like if I found out I was dying, would I still want to be doing this thing as like a real good way to find clarity about Mm -hmm. something. And yeah, maybe we're not going to quit the thing immediately because, you know, we don't have a reason to suspect that we have whatever amount of time left, but it really brings clarity to what are we doing here with our limited time that we do have. Absolutely. And I feel like, you know, people at the end of their lives aren't you know, remembering how many times they woke up at 5am and, you know, did the 5am club or like nope. how many times, you know, whatever it's like, no, they're thinking about who they spent time with, you know, their lives their families their loved ones. So yeah, I think as creatives and musicians, like just really zooming out and recognizing that our identity is not in what we do. It's in who we are. And just really making sure that that becomes our North star because our culture, our society, our industry will really shape that narrative that that's not accurate. And I, having had the privilege of working with people that we would consider to have reached the pinnacle of success, they are not always happy because once you get the gig or you're at that dream spot, if you're not the person that has become the person that would have those things, you don't enjoy success. And that was just devastating to discover that it is possible to reach your goals and not enjoy it. It is possible to be an unhealthy person and reach your goals, but you don't get to enjoy them. And that's so shitty. Yeah. We have to be intentional about celebrating when we get to those points. Mm -hmm. I'm really good at moving the carrot. (laughs) Like I made it there. (laughs) Oh, that's not good enough. That can't possibly be good enough. (laughs) I need to move it even further. Uh Why do we do that? Why do we do that to ourselves? We don't have to. I don't know. (laughs) Also, why do we dress for her strategy? Like something good happens and then it's like, I must be dying or like there's a mistake (laughs) or like what bad thing is going to happen. It's like, no, like enjoy it. It's, it's a good thing. 
Yeah. I like that as a saying dress rehearse tragedy. Yes. I'm really good at that. Anxiety <laughs> makes you really good at that too, actually. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Thanks brain. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so I know we could talk for hours probably, but, uh, Let's wind it down with yeah. my last question, which is what are you excited about right now? Oh my gosh. So many things. Um, <laughs> I'm excited for just the world opening back up and yeah. I'm so, so grateful and, and just excited to see all, all the creatives just really going for it. Like worst case scenario kind of happened to our industry and you know, job security, especially in orchestral land is just not a thing. And I just feel like we're, we're kind of going in a like effort mentality and we're just going to do the art and the things that we want to do. And um, I'm just excited for that fearlessness that is going to come post COVID personally in my business. I'm, I'm excited for just branching out and I don't even know how to like articulate this, but I, I have felt that in my pursuit of success, I've just negated and repressed things like misogyny, things like racism. I'm a first-generation Latina. English is my second language. And um, I'm in a male-dominated field. And not to make it a gender thing, but this last year in my own personal healing and reckoning, I've just recognized that I have been really grateful for a lot of things, which I'm, I'm grateful for, but I also need to ask for what I want and I need to demand what I deserve. And that's just been like a really good reckoning. So I'm excited to set better boundaries and better parameters and to charge what I'm worth and to do my own things. Like I I'm really excited about this workshop for educators that I'm doing at the end of June, helping facilitate social media. Like we have so many forums and so many people bitching about like education being crap and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, what are we doing about it? What are we doing to actually support the people? So I'm excited to just beta test uh, a workshop where I can help professors build their tenure portfolios, um, how to actually recruit the best student for your program. What is Instagram? What is Facebook? Like, what are these features? Like there's so much shame around not knowing about it. And it's really a stupid app, but it also is really helpful. It's a free resource. So just demystifying a lot of that and, um, doing more of that is, is what I'm really excited. And of course, continuing to be an ally, amplifying underrepresented voices and just really, not worrying so much about how it could affect business or the perception of whatever. Cause I'm such a social justice person and I'm such an advocate for everything. And I'm so passionate about so many different things that I'm just kind of in a fuck it mentality and just going for it. And I'm, I'm really excited for just that new personal renaissance and yeah, the, the price of admission will definitely be high. Um, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to that next level of, of freedom and, um, just fully being authentically myself. Cool. Get it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited <laughs> about that for you and for all the people that you're going to help with all this stuff, all the amazing things that you do. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming today and sharing your experience with everyone. I am super excited that we finally got to meet face-to-face -face yes. on, you know, on the internet, but face-to-face <laughs> -face nonetheless. And thank you so much for being here. 
Yeah. Thank you so much, Rebecca. You're amazing. And I'm so excited for all the work that you're doing and for even just having the show, like it's such hard work to run a podcast and to do all the things like it's a lot of work. So I'm, I'm just grateful that you're also helping disrupt the industry with all the amazing content and just all the interviews and, and all the work that you do. It's, it's really amazing to see. And I'm, I'm so honored to be on your show. Thanks for saying that. Thanks so much for listening to being a whole person. The music you're hearing right now was written and performed by me, supported by Tim O'Keefe on percussion. If you'd like to take it one step further, you can sign up to get access to my library of worksheets, my favorite tools and resources, and some other fun stuff at coachingforcreativewellness.com resources, and you'll also receive my creative wellness letters via email every Monday. You can find show notes at coachingforcreativewellness.com podcast. See you next time, and be kind to yourself.